This episode brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Want to talk to you about the Masters, specifically what Matchstick Golf has planned for the Masters. Starting Monday, March 28th, Matchstick is releasing a special edition golf ball marker in time for the Classic at Augusta. Subscribers to Matchstick's newsletter will get early access to the new Pimento Cheese Sandwich at 10 a.m. Pacific. And you better hurry because there will be limited quantities available. This special edition marker is finished in gold and is extra thick. And the packaging features a bitch and a holographic sticker. Only 40 of these markers will ever be sold and each one will come with a serial number to guarantee authenticity. All you need to do is head to matchstickgolf.com slash newsletter and sign up to get emails from our favorite ball marker company. The Pimento Cheese goes live to the public the following Tuesday, but this one's going to be a hot seller, and email subscribers are getting first crack at it. So you better opt in and snatch it up. Matchstick Golf, set fire to the greens. Hey, before we jump into the episode, I do want to let you know real quick that we do talk about Pumpkin Ridge later on in the episode. We did record this prior to the announcement of the Saudi Golf League coming to Pumpkin Ridge. Our episode last week touches on that in more detail if you want to listen. Enjoy today's show. This is At The Turn. It's time for discussion and interviews about the world of golf you won't hear anywhere else. Here are your hosts, Nick Heidelberger and Joe Simons. Hello, hello. Welcome into another episode of At The Turn. So much to get to, so I'm going to get right into it. We are joined by a longtime friend of the pod. We talk about him, I don't know, every other episode, most episodes. It's Brian Romy. Romy, how are you today? Hello, gentlemen. Great to talk to you guys. I'm doing awesome. Thanks. He's here, sporting a very robust beard these days. It's going all the way. Yeah, it's it's uh it's I don't have any hair on top, so I got to grow it somewhere, right? What does the wife think about that? Does she is she in favor of that move? Well, I've gained a little bit of weight, so uh, it looks better. I don't like the way my face looks without facial hair now, so it's perfect. I love it. A very revealing podcast already. This is great. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So we bought we brought Brian on to talk about sandbagging. We were just joking beforehand whether or not he is a sandbagger. We'll get to that. Nick hit on the track, man, so we're very excited. A wonderful Mad Golfer of the Week. And, of course, a Nick Rules. Before we get into any of that, I want to remind folks, go to Apple Podcasts. You're probably there right now. Leave a review with your Masters winner. If you're correct, you're going to get a sampler pack from Piper Golf. If you can't wait, use the promo code TURN10. 
10 at checkout to get 10% off at Piper.golf. Okay. Sandbagging. This concept is so strange to me. I'll start there because the idea behind it is, and it's a term used inside and outside of golf. It is you not you it is associated with someone who says they're not as good as they actually are at a thing for the purposes of tricking someone and winning money off that person. Is that is that a fair explanation of what sandbagging is? I don't think you nailed it. Okay. I don't understand why anyone would want to do this. Money is not as important as me being good at something is. You'll, there, there's never going to be an amount of money of something that is going to make me care more than actually being good at this thing. Do you guys agree with that or am I crazy? I agree with that. No, I, I agree, I agree with, that. with that. I was going to see what I was going to say. No, I, I 100% <laughs> agree with that. Like when I first learned that there were measures in place in the world handicap system and, and previously the, the USGA handicap system to prevent players from from manipulating their handicap to be higher than it really should be, I was like, well, why do they need that? All right, Romy, you're going to have to explain why someone would sandbag. Um, so obviously there's a lot of money sometimes involved in the tournaments. So, I mean, there is some people like to get their names on stuff like third place, fourth place, fifth place, and to brag on stuff that they generally shouldn't have won in the first place. Do have you, cause you, you, you play in a lot more competitive stuff than, than certainly Nick and, 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 and me as well. Have you come across a situation where you've been at a ceremony after a tournament and the people who win the net prizes, that is your score with a handicap where the sandbagging would come into place. Have you played with someone or seen someone? You're like, old Johnny over there. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Oh, absolutely. Um, it's usually like after a few beers have happened, the guys start booing them. It's like, you know, it's completely everybody in the crowd. Like this, this is not truthful or BS, but they do it in a fun way. Cause a lot of times some of the guys don't care, but a lot of people really do. Um, they get really angry about it. Where do you fall on that scale? Well, so um, I actually, so I don't know if I can mention this too, but I actually won the club championship at Downriver. Um, <laughs> and I won. Oh, we got a club oh, champion yeah, on the Romy. podcast. First time we've Appreciate had a club that. champion here. Fantastic. And I, won it at, I won it gross, not net. So, that, the, so you're the real the right way to champion. do it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. There's not a net club champion, is there? Um, mm-hmm. No, it's, I mean, well, you no, not really. I they guess, say that it, there is, but Romy is the club champion. Whatever that 13 handicap says they did, Romy is the club champion. Exactly. So, yeah, so I've uh, I've been playing pretty much the same handicap for the last like year and a half. Um, I've been very selective on certain partners I've gotten um, in other tournaments where there's been like, you know, two some where they may be higher handicapped. So that helps out our team for sure. But mm. um, I would absolutely, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm a hand, uh, sandbagger. I would say I don't post every single score just because oh, I maybe either forget. Whoa, whoa, wait, whoa, 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 wait, whoa, wait, whoa. Wait, wait a minute, Romy. You're going to have to dig deeper into that. Why don't so you post I'll, Let me explain, score? I guess. Let Please me explain, explain yourself. So, uh, for example, like I, my, my handicap is not active right now. I actually can't post two new scores that I did in, in Phoenix. Sure. 
So that would be one reason I haven't posted them yet. And the other reason is um, usually like men's league. Um, they have their own handicap system that's set up. So they will do it for me, or at least they're supposed to, um, to make sure that they go by their guidelines because their handicap can maybe be slightly adjusted for men's league stuff. But so yeah, if you're part, if you're playing in a, in a sanctioned event at the club yeah. that hosts your handicap, then they should be posting your score. Correct. Yeah, I think, um, and there's been a couple questions sometimes, like, have you guys posted this? And it's like, well, no. I'm like, are you going to? So <laughs> making sure that stuff happens as well. You got to get yourself on the handicap committee. I mean, the club that, champs should should be overseeing everyone's everyone's index. It's a, exactly. It's an automatic seat on the board there. Yeah. So, okay, when your handicap's active again, let's just say, for instance, you shot really good scores in Phoenix. Okay. Okay. Romy Romy shot a 68-70 cuz he was hung over the second day he couldn't break. <laughs> yeah. Are you more likely to post those scores once your handicap is active and retroactively say, "Hey, January I shot these," or if they're bad scores you're more likely to post? Um I actually want to post um lower scores right now cuz I actually want my handicap to go down cuz it's there's some other tournaments I want to try to get into and stuff that way. Yeah, like you have to be what like I think it's a sub one seven or something to qualify for or try for the U.S. Amateur or the U.S. Open? Yeah, it's like a one point four. I think it is something like that. Yeah. Okay. It's one point four, guys. Okay. <laughs> okay. So there's been a lot of focus on Romy. I'm gonna I'm gonna take take the interrogation light off of him and shine it right on Nick. So, <laughs> Nick, this has never crossed your mind at any point to inflate your handicap, has it? No. <laughs> I mean, I th- it does that on its own. <laughs> but wait a minute, wait a minute. Were you listening last episode when I, when I said, you know, I just, I got the shanks in the middle of the round. And I just couldn't, couldn't cure it. <laughs> I was, I was here for that. I guess my point is like, you know, your ultimate goal is to crack kind of the mid teens. Wouldn't, wouldn't you say if the end of the year you're in the mid teens, then you, you had a good season. Yeah. Okay. If you started off the season, with some rounds that were unusually high, you would post those. You wouldn't ever tick up your score to get it north of, say, 25. And that way you're having a dramatic change of like 10 strokes for the season. There's no benefit for you doing that, right? No. I'm not even... Are you asking if I would ever post a higher score than I shot? That's exactly what I'm asking. No. What? I like that. Nick, Romy carefully and calculated answers these questions, admits truths about himself, and Nick is just false that I would even suggest that there's a possibility this exists for you. How much higher of a score do you expect me to post? I'm just saying that this is what the topic of the conversation is. It's sandbagging. Right. And you are not a sandbagger. Correct. Okay, great. <laughs> Well, how about the I, breakfast ball? Would you consider that sandbagging? Where if someone says, I can, okay. No, I consider that a dirty score. If someone okay. hits their first ball out of bounds, has a breakfast ball and shoots 76, and at the bar is telling people they shot 76, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to give them any credit. They didn't, they didn't shoot a 76. They shot a 78. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, Romy, where do you sit on that? That's Because that's an interesting topic too. When you When you play with people that may have you know, a bit of a dirty card, right? Maybe they picked up the ball a few times, but they shot a really good round, generally speaking. Would you 
just sort of know in your mind, like, all right, well, you know, Bob didn't really do it today. Or would you actually say something about it? Depends how far he pushed it. If he was like telling everybody it's the best friend of his life, I'd throw him into the bus pretty fast. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what if it's I mean, like, yeah. what if it's, the, what, what, what if it is specifically the breakfast ball scenario where this person's best score, let's say ever is 75. Okay. And they shot a 74 with a breakfast ball, but it was actually a 76. They're at the bar. How many drinks would you need in, in you to call them out and say, that's <laughs> bullshit. Like one and a half. Like, probably. <laughs> yeah, not many. Uh, but the, at the, the same time, too- this game's hard enough. Like, I'm not going to yes. do that to the gentleman, but it's like if he uh, if he kept it going, kept it going, and then was like, oh, I beat you today. And you're like, did you, though? You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. When it, when, when it comes to measuring against you and then they put you in the spot, then you're exactly forced to say something. A guy like that, there's a pretty good chance that the time that he shot that 75 that he just beat, he also did the same thing too. Like you either play that way or you don't. And I remember when I first started playing golf, before I even met you, Joe, like the first, I would go to the golf course, no idea what I was doing. And one of my roommates I played with, he said he didn't really play much golf either, but he played every once in a while. And he said, the only way you really know if you're getting better is if like you don't take any mulligans. Because I was taking mulligans. I was out there. I was taking mulligans. I was picking up after a few putts, whatever, you know. And, oh, yeah, I shot 52 today. You know, and he's like, the only way you really know if you're getting better is if you play by the rules. If you if you play by the same rules every time. The only way to do that is to just play by the rules. You know, it might suck when you see how shitty your score really is. But when you actually do start improving on that score, you'll know that it's legitimate and it's not just like, ah, I gave myself a few extra mulligans today. That's really good advice to give a beginner golfer because I wish more golfers would do that. To Romy's point, this game is hard enough. And if someone wants to play with mulligans and kind of keep it moving and just kind of take the good ones and let the bad ones go, I think that's fine too. It's whatever you're trying to get out of the game. But I think for you, Nick, someone who wants to keep a number, wants to improve, wants those numbers to be completely legitimate, I think that works for you. Yeah. For sure. Romeo, what, what is what is your advice in that situation when you're playing with someone who's newer or perhaps doesn't really know like Nick does? Would you would you say something to that person in the way that Nick's friend said to him? Um, I mean, no, because it's like if he needs to improve his life, just keep the game moving and have fun. Like it's I would say all for it. Um, obviously starting to figure out the swing and it's the shots that they have, or maybe they're really worried about damaging equipment. So they remove the ball, stuff like that. So, I mean, we're not playing in a tournament scenario. It's still supposed to be fun and being too serious can take that away real fast too. So yeah, it can take away fun. And then like pace of play is the enemy of like the rules of golf. (laughs) So if you're, if you're a beginner, you know what I mean? Like you got one guy, you're playing with Joe and Romy and you got, you got Joe telling you to, to like, you know, count every shot. You got Romy telling you to pick it up and move on. You're like, oh my God, I hate this game. I'm never coming back. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then the marshal comes by one time to warn you guys and the next time, yeah. you know. Yeah. Hey, Romes, how is, how is the marshal situation in Spokane? Do you guys have a lot of them out there? Yeah, we got a pretty strict group. Um, we only, we always know what hole they're going to be on to, especially during men's league. <laughs> and it's, we could be in a threesome walking and he's like, Hey, you guys need to speed up. And I'm like, well, we're right on the other group. It says, doesn't matter. There's a whole 
you know, ahead of you guys. You're like, okay. So it's just, it's just very fast. Keep it moving. But there's a lot of hills in Spokane. So it, it can get <laughs> tough sometimes <laughs> to really try to keep up. So I, I do find that there are some courses where the marshals just feel as though they have to earn their pay. And they'll find a particular group where they think that they are being slow or they just something caught their eye about that this group is the slow group, even if they're on top of the group in front of them. That happened to us a couple of weeks ago. And he came up to us and we were waiting on every shot for five holes. He found the one time there was a gap. They were on the green. We were on the tee. And he drove up and just, come on, guys. We got to we gotta keep it moving. Keep it moving. And I looked at his name badge and it's Dale. And I just said, all right, Dale. And we just drove off. Like, what, what, what do you want me to say? It's also, you got to ask the question too. It's like, is this an official warning? Or are we just having a conversation that we need to try to speed up? Are, sir, are we on the clock? Are you <laughs> exactly. issuing penalties? I'm like, are you going to kick me off the course? Or are you going to make me jump before the hole? What's happening? So, uh, If not, guys, please go away. I want to. I want to move on to... Something I don't understand. I'm a feel player, okay? I don't need a bunch of fancy numbers to tell me how I'm doing out there. I can see how the ball looks. But Nick, you recently did this for a long time. And I know the scientist over here, Brian Romy, knows the trackman as well. <laughs> so, Nick, why don't we start with you? Describe your experience, and then I want Romy to get into the nuts and bolts of it. Well, I mean, hitting on a trackman, I, I went and over the weekend... And I had a, I had a gift card. I had to use it up before moving. And oh my god, it was awesome! I hadn't swung a golf club in so long. Um, and just to hit balls and and see any kind of information about how how I was performing was awesome. But I am I am a little bit of a numbers guy, and I had gone previously to this TrackMan facility and figured out which i had never known before that i was just I hit super steep on the ball my angle of attack was like super high and i was like wow okay like you want to hit down on it but maybe not that much um so there's like i've kind of done some research on what what numbers to pay attention to if you want to focus on it gives you 27 numbers like focus on oh my god two or three to five and like one or two at a time um and 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 you can you can learn a little bit from that if you if you do it without if you don't go overboard. And so I, I think it's fun and it, it gives you something to focus on other than just like the result of the shot. Like you, it's 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 fun. All right, Nick, you lost me the second you said twenty seven numbers. <laughs> Romy, can you can you tell me how that how that information is? Yeah, so they to do like me a caveman. Well, I'll, I'll nerd out on this for a couple hours. I don't think you guys have a podcast long enough for this. So. We need to get more sponsors. Exactly. But yeah, so like attack angle is one of the biggest numbers on there. Path, normal stuff, like face to path, ball speed, launch angle, you know. But the main stuff you're looking at is like carry and then total yards because then it lets you know how much you're rolling and stuff that way. But it, for me, it's like launch angle and angle of descent. So the ball coming in, how steep it's coming. Or for a driver, the launch angle, so I know I'm not getting a bunch of backspin and losing distance. Those are like really two numbers I always look at. Yeah, Joe, I'll bet if you <laughs> did 15 minutes of research and spent 30 minutes on a track, man, you could probably gain 10 yards. Not even, yeah. You know what I'm actually, you know, you know, you know what I'm actually afraid of is 
hard data confirming the suspicions that I have in my head about my golf swing and then having to change it in some way. I just want to be a, a, an idiot six handicap out there. Just let me shoot my 79 in peace and I'll move on and not have to think about anything. Honestly, because you talk about the backspin on the driver, I put more backspin on my driver than my sandwich. I know I'm losing distance because of it, but do I want to change my golf swing? I don't know. So that's my worry, guys, is I would have to completely rework what I'm doing based upon hitting a ball into a movie screen. Well, if you if you think about it, like there's 27 numbers, I need to make all of them perfect. Like, <laughs> yes, then that's then it's intimidating. But if you're like, okay, the ideal attack angle with the driver is plus three to plus five, and you find out you're hitting down on it three degrees, you can change. You can look at this one number, try to hit up on it a couple degrees, and and that's the only thing you're focused on. And you have this this very focused approach, and that can probably, like I said, give you 10 extra yards. Yeah, there needs to be no doubt in my mind of how far I'm hitting something. Like, I don't like losing golf balls. Like, I hate it, actually, with a passion. Yes. Um, I got a weird thing about that, actually. So, um, <laughs> if you know you can clear the clear the water because your ball goes so far, it's landing that far, that's all I need to know. And I, I think you're just reinforcing all the information you need to know. So, Romy, do you, like, go to a place like Nick did to gather this data? Or is there, like a range or a facility where you're hitting balls and then you have the, the the monitor near you where you can just sort of keep up to date on what you're seeing. So the, a lot of it is actually you either can get like set up for fittings, um, a couple different spots that way, but I play an indoor winter league and there's a lot of data that comes up on there right away, whether I really trust it cause it's indoor and he's using like a range ball that has dots on it and stuff, but any information that helps um, just to help me, let me know. It's like, okay, yeah, I'm getting lazy with something or I'm not stretching enough. Like it's just, it's a reinforcer for me to help out a lot. Um, and yeah, I, I just, I, I really have to use it sometimes too. It, it helps. The first thing one of the biggest takeaways I had was like how much I started to get tired. Like I didn't feel tired, but I could see my swing speed drop off like two or three miles an hour after like 15 minutes. Cause you have, you have an hour to hit in this bay, which is like a a really freaking long time to be at a driving range. And it's not like at a driving range where you have a bucket of balls and you're just, you can take your time and breathe. You feel like you're on the clock. Like I got to hit as many balls as I can in this hour. And like, like 30 minutes in, I'm like, Oh man, my swing speed. Like I feel like everything feels the same, but it's gone down a few miles an hour. Like, okay, that could be happening on the course and other things could be breaking down. And you can kind of just connect some more dots. But again, Joe, if you're a field player and and you don't want to, mess something up that's cool too but you can make it as focused or as broad as you want it like i would i would say go look at one or two numbers and just ignore everything else yeah okay. and, and how how uh i mean how long are you gonna drive yourself crazy before you like, ask for help to like figure it out too but that's yeah the those thing. 79s could be 73s yeah. joe exactly. they could or, or but... 68s you don't know I argue that I'm not really driving myself that crazy. Like I, w- I was telling Nick last week, I've, I've posted three scores in 2022 and they're all 81 and I'm fine with that. It's fine. I'm a 6.8. It's what I am. Sometimes I'm going to make putts. Sometimes I'm not. To your point, I do think it would be interesting to see a couple of numbers. They're going to give them all to me, but if I only had to focus on three, what should I be looking at? 
Well, first of all, you you pick what numbers show up on your screen. So it, oh. 27 numbers don't show up on your screen. You can select, I want okay. these five and, and nothing else. And they'll, it'll still track it and you can log into your TrackMan account later and, and see everything. But popping up on the screen, you get whatever you select. And it depends on what you're looking at. Like for you, I would say launch angle with your driver. You hit your driver super high. You hit it really far. And I think you could hit it even farther if your your launch angle was was a little more optimized. Um I don't know what else because I don't I don't you know know your game well enough, but um, that's where I would start. Romy, yeah. do you agree with what he's saying? I agree with that. It's just it depends what the club you're looking at. If your problem is wedges, you need to know that information on wedges. If your problem's irons, you look at irons. Or if your problem's your driver because you spray it all the way and it looks like a Christmas tree when you hit in the fairway, you maybe need to figure that out a little bit. Do they have a track man for putting? <laughs> I take one of those. Um, they they kind of do. Yeah, the, the they, new one. The new one has like fifty six putting metrics. Joe, why don't you just go on there and stroke a couple four footers? <laughs> tell yourself they're for birdie and see the what machine happens. would start to melt if I hit a if I hit a left to right four footer. The machine would explode. Sparks would shoot out of it. <laughs> I have I have the practice putter in my office and I am just on that thing every day. I probably putt for a half an hour every day and I feel great in the office. It's not really translating out in the golf course for some reason. It's it, it's wild. That might be the AstroTurf is not really, you know, relatable to the Oregon. That's true. That's true. <laughs> the 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 late winter grass that we have in Oregon is exactly. not like the AstroTurf that I'm putting on. Um, okay. So I get it. I'm a lunatic. You guys are right. And I hope I try it very soon. Yeah. I think you should give it a try. It's not going to hurt anything. You may give find out you have the wrong shaft or something like that. If it was, Oh my God, that would be nice. Just to know, Hey, Simons, you have the wrong shaft. You stick this one in there. It goes 20 yards farther <laughs> and much straighter and the ball flights better. That would be fun. Yeah. It, it might be that simple. You never know. You guys make it sound so easy. Not as easy as getting roast to order coffee from the heart of Southern California. Tea box coffee. I'm obsessed with the cold brew. Romy, are you a coffee guy? I am. Yep. Are you are you a hot coffee all year guy or do you switch back and forth depending on the time of year? Uh, when it's 100 degrees out, it's iced all the way for sure. Um, but mm. I like the, the nice warm coffee in the morning before the day starts. Absolutely. Romy needs some of that barn caddy cold brew. You stick it in the French press. You let it soak overnight. You wake up. You smash that plunger down in a cold cup of ice. You pour the magic elixir. You drink it, and you are good to go. Use promo code TURN15 to check out at TBOXCOFFEE.COM. Romy, have you played Pumpkin Ridge? I have. Both the public and private? Um, I played it in like 2001, I want to say. So it was, uh, I think it was just the public side. It's a very good course. I've mentioned this many times. I think the private and public are 1A and 1B. I think they're both fabulous facilities. I got a chance to play out there a couple weeks ago. They have all the Tiger Woods paraphernalia up in the clubhouse. Dirty little secret about Pumpkin Ridge is it doesn't really drain very well. So I was kind of pushing it. We lost a few balls, but I would say from about April to early November, best course in the area. That's what I think. Now, our mad golfer of the week 
Ben Denora titled his review of Ghost Creek Pumpkin Ridge as bummer. That's all he has to say, bummer. Here's what Ben had to say. Since I first started playing Pumpkin in the 90s, it has been one of my favorites because I like the layout. However, over the past four years, the course conditions have deteriorated a lot. Granted, we had a tough summer last year, and granted, we had a rainy December and January. But the day before I played Pumpkin Ridge, I played the OGA course, which was in markedly better condition. The OGA course is in Woodburn and is fabulous. I no longer look for opportunities to play there due to the conditions and pricing, nor do I recommend it. I would have given it one star if I didn't <laughs> like the layout. So that was a two-star review. I, I don't know what Ben's deal is. Well, I gotta ask, what is the what is the price? What are they charging? What are they charging Ben to play this this catastrophe? Well, Ben Ben's not finding the deals I am because I played it for sixty four dollars last weekend. Oh, that's a good deal, and it was it was a great deal. And you, you walk in the facility, and it's like, oh my god, I am I am on a PGA quality course. Like <clears> it just the moment you get on the property, you have this deck where you kind of oversee four or five holes. There's beautiful water everywhere. You look like you're on a professional golf course and you are. So it doesn't drain well a few months of the year. Who gives a shit? It's fantastic. Ben Dora, you're wrong. However, you are the Matt golfer of the week. It is now time for everyone's favorite segment here on at the turn theme song. We're still working on it. It's coming. It's, it's not quite here yet. We call it Nick rules. All right, Nick. What do you got, right, guys? Um, you both are low handicap golfers, so I would imagine none of these Generous, rules uh, apply to you. Not apply, but I'm sure that none of them are new to you. I'm going to talk about the tee box today uh, and drop a little knowledge about where you can tee up the ball, where you can't tee up the ball, and uh, a couple little situations we got going on here. So. The teeing area is the, is the area in the tee box that you're allowed to tee your ball up in. So it's not the whole tee box. You have to be obviously behind the tees. You only have two two club lengths behind the tees. So if you're on a par three and you're like, ah, a perfect seven iron is eight yards back that way. I'm just going to back it up and hit from there. No, can't do it. It's a penalty. You have two club lengths from the tees to tee up your ball. You guys know that. That's no big deal. If you want to go laterally, Okay, you got to stay within the boundaries of the tees. Only like the smallest sliver of your ball needs to be on that imaginary line back from the tee marker to be considered in the tee. You can be standing outside of the tee box. You can have it all the way over there, just the corner edge of your ball inside that imaginary line behind the tee marker, and you're good to go. So that's where you can tee up your ball. Uh I, I, uh, a part of the rules, you guys, you guys don't need to know. When you can re-tee for free. So if you, well, what if you swing and miss? If for whatever reason, wow. after you make a stroke, your ball is still on the tee box, you can you can tee it back up. You can re-tee for free. Uh, if you hit a little dribbler that doesn't leave the teeing area. Put that thing back on a tee. So if you swing and miss, basically your ball is still on the tee. It's a stroke, 
You so, can still play it off the tee. So wait a minute. So if I'm if I'm two, let, let's say let's take your example. I'm I'm two okay. club lengths behind the imaginary line okay. of the tee box. Mm-hmm. I try to rip a driver, but oh man, I had way too much to drink last night. I just touched the golf ball. It has not advanced past the imaginary tee area line. Mm-hmm. I can grab that ball, return it to my tee, and hit two. Yes. That doesn't sound right. That does not it's sound correct. right. <laughs> it is correct. I, I, I used to, there was Rome a guy who used to play on in Nick some rules. No, I Rome swear to God. There's a guy who used to play in these pro ams and he would top the ball. He did it multiple times. Would top it, and it would hit the ground, pop up with backspin, and land behind. He would literally hit it backwards. Um, and he could literally re-tee. Um, it's a stroke, but you can still re-tee. This is a rule that is a little bit surprising. And, and actually, our friend Nick Martinick, I saw, if I would have known this, he, he could have benefited from it. You are allowed to use a borrowed tee on the tee box. So a couple of you, a lot of years ago now, we were playing in a, in a golf tournament and it was an individual tournament and Nick Martinick ran out of tees on like the 13th hole <laughs> and he just started hitting irons off every tee because, you know, and, and you know you, you don't think you can just ask your playing partners for a tee and, and use their equipment. But in a tee, you, you can borrow a tee from somebody and use Is it. Is tee course, technically equipment? Apparently, it's an exception to this rule. Wow. Hmm. Romy is really questioning the rules. No, I love it. Uh, no. <laughs> I just have the question is like, because you always pick up a broken one on the ground if it's Yes, you around. can use it's, abandoned uh, tees. That's a really always, good point. Yeah, always yeah. fair game. But you can, you can ask a playing partner, by, hey, man, I'm out of tees. Hook me up and that, that's all good. But if I wanted to be like, hey, bro, that driver looks pretty nice. Can I swing it here? That's that's illegal. Yeah, you can't hit someone else's golf club, Joe. <laughs> okay. I'm just giving you a win, Nick. Come on, Joe. Come on, Joe. <laughs> Uh, and then the last, the last yeah. bit. Um, if you mistakenly hit your ball on the tee, no mulligan needed, no stroke. You can, you tee it back up. In fact, at this point, you can even move your tee, change balls. It's as if it never even happened. Yeah, did you Zach see Johnson clown, has done this twice. Our clown of our Ryder Cup captain at the players. Oh my back. god, he did it again. He did, he did it, again. it again. He did it again at the players. <laughs> like, and it didn't just like hit another tee box or dribble off. He shot it into some fans in Florida <laughs> just trying to get out of the house. Enjoy oh some God. golf. Yep. All right. Well, that's another <laughs> controversial edition of Nick Rules. Now, typically, we wind down the podcast with some old-time whimsy, which is really one of Nick's favorite aspects of this, of this podcast. But today, I have something special in store. Do you guys get sent the print edition of Golf Digest? Nope. I do not. I have no idea how it comes to me. I hope I'm not paying for it. I'm not trying to pay for it. But every month, it comes to my house. And the very last page, I'm going to show you. This is this was actually printed in the Golf Digest magazine. This is Office Golf Insults Worthy of HR. All right, <laughs> This is by Coleman Bentley. And he has like seven things that I guess are, yeah, they, they do reference these as jokes. Okay. Are, are you ready? It's going to get embarrassing towards the end. Here we go. You read market projections worse than you read putts. Uh, 
This is printed in Golf Digest. This is printed right. in the magazine. Okay. All right. Love it. Your swing has more hitches than a bad Zoom connection. Okay. Crickets. <laughs> yeah. Here's I, the next one. Cool standing desk. It matches your iron covers perfectly. Who wrote this? There's five more. There's, would, there's five more. I would get a standing desk way before iron covers. Sorry, one of those things is good for your health. Excuse me, I've got an issue with this standing desk joke. Can I get the Veridesk color head covers, please? You fudge your handicap. Oh, this is appropriate for sandbagging. (laughs) You fudge your handicap so often you should work in accounting. (laughs) I might use that one. Your your pre-shot routine is slower than the (laughs) Wi-Fi. I'm so glad I'm reading these. This is a delight. All right. Three more. Mm. Even the intern is too old for those jockers. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Here we go. Here we go. This is printed in Golf Digest. This is in the February edition. Colin Morikawa, two-time major champion on the cover. This is printed in Golf Digest. Your stock options are the only thing seeing red numbers today. And my personal favorite, here's the hammer. Here's, Here's the best joke of the lot. You can't even break 80 in your inbox. And there it is, Office Golf Insults Worthy of HR. That's by Coleman Bentley, who was paid by Golf Digest to put these in the magazine. Wow. That was on the that last page. In Golf Digest. Is, is it, is it going to ruin this segment if I if I just like give you another golf joke? Go. Fire okay. away. Okay. Two golfers are ready to play on the 12th green, on the 12th, <laughs> on the 12th hole. On the 12th tee ready. They're ready wait, to play. Twelfth tee box. Start, start over. Start over. Two golfers are on the twelfth tee box when a funeral procession passes. The first golfer stops, takes off his hat, bows his head. The second golfer says, "Wow, that's a really nice thing to do." He says, "Well, it was only right. I was married to her for thirty-five years." <laughs> that's that's a good one. I like that one. Uh, you know what? I think we'll end the pod right there. Brian Romy, thank you so much for your wisdom. I don't know if we if we determined if you were a sandbagger or not. I guess the that, patrons well, will have to decide. That's not what that's we're, we're not putting Romy on the I stand am, here. I am not a sandbagger. Definitely. There you go. That's it. I know I just, you're not. I'm Romy. very selective. Well, about my that's what a sandbagger would say. <laughs> Very selective about my teammates. I love that. <laughs> Poor Nick Martinick is just trying to raise his kid in peace. Kids in peace in Moscow, Idaho. He has to deal with this. No, thanks a lot for coming on, man. Um, that was a lot of fun. Make sure to use promo code TURN15 at checkout. TBOXCOFFEE.COM. TURN10 at Piper.GOLF. And guess what? The next episode we do is going to be a Masters preview. I'm Lacey Evans. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time at The Turn.
ました。